Comic Book Time Machine, episode 39, Five Days of Sith from Dark Horse. Good evening, time travelers. It's Daniel here. It's Saturday night. The kids are asleep. The wife is retreating. And that means Daniel only has one thing on his mind. And that, of course, is... Star Wars! I'm kind of in a Star Wars mood lately. A lot. There's quite a few factors about that. One Star Wars Rebels on Disney XD. Great show, using a lot of John Williams music, a lot of TIE Fighters, images that make you know that this cartoon, this animated series, is Star Wars. For heaven's sakes, they even had James Earl Jones on as Darth Vader, Billy D on as Lando, and Frank Oz voicing Yoda. Star Wars. And, of course, Marvel now has, thanks to Disney, Star Wars coming home. They're together again. And we just got done just a little while ago. Time travelers gathered to read Star Wars number one and to discuss it and to share their feelings about it. And I just got done reading Star Wars Tarkin, a book that's considered canon in a, in a world where, thanks to Disney, We've come to define what is and is not canon in a, a Star Wars universe that was at times convoluted and and at times was just filled with voices that were not or at times were George Lucas. But now we know what's canon and what's not canon. So I want to jump back not that long ago, not that far ago, to a time where we didn't know what was and wasn't canon. I want to go back to January 2014. And then for 2.99, I want you to join me at my local comic book shop where I picked up Star Wars 2013 Dark Horse edition number 13 written by Brian Wood. And then maybe we just jump a month later and we'll pick up Part 2 of Five Days of Sith and Star Wars number 14. I know it's that not that long ago, but I don't want this series forgotten. This last Dark Horse Star Wars named series with Luke and Leia, Han and Chewie. It was a good series. Brian Wood did an excellent job getting getting the voice of Star Wars. And I'm a huge fan of Jason Aaron. And in the end, I hope he can do just as good as Wood did, if not better. But when I think about the standard for what I'm looking for in a mature, may I even say, modern Star Wars comic book, I'm going to go back to Brian Wood 
and 2013. And this, again, this arc in issues 13 and 14, Five Days of Sith. So what is this storyline? Basically, in the, the year of issues before issue 13, the rebels, after the Battle of Yavin, are, are struggling to find a, a home, a new base, because they've been chased out of their old base on, on Yavin by the Empire. Luke, Leia, Wedge Antilles, crisscrossing the galaxy, trying to thwart through Rebel, oh, away from Rebel Imperial spies, trying to trying to sniff the rebels out. Darth Vader, after the destruction of the Death Stars, somewhat in oh the doghouse was removed from his flagship, the Devastator, and replaced by another Imperial officer. And after a year of comics, Brian Wood ended the this first major story of his, because really the first 12 issues were one big story, even though they broke it into two trades. And at the end of that story, the Empire was betrayed. And... The Empire was defeated yet again by the Rebel Alliance in a military confrontation, mostly due to deceit and lying. And the Rebels were free again. And then comes issue 13. And to excuse my language, Darth Vader then brings hell. And these two issues... The voice that we hear is an ensign. This ensign, straight out of the academy, someone who had done some volunteer service at her home world of Naboo, is ordered to Lord Vader on the executioner. Vader asks for ensign Nada for five days. During these five days, her absence will not be officially approved or noted. It will never be in her file. Her superiors will disavow that this occurred. But she will spend five days in service to Darth Vader. She gives not a deny a promise, a promise. Yes, she must deny this mission, but in return she will receive a handsome sum and a promotion. How great of a promotion? Three ranks, five years. She would have a significant jump over her peers. And as she comes to Lord Vader about this secret mission that no one can know about, including the Emperor, she thinks to herself, the Death Star, I had friends there. So we start this mission with, with the Ensign. She's, she's, well, she's a soldier. And she's a soldier serving probably the greatest warrior that the Emperor has. Also well-renowned and powerful. And in return, she would seek revenge for colleagues Fortune, 
and professional advancement. And the question that we'll have to ask is, what will it cost her? Nada is given a shuttle to transport Lord Vader and exactly six, six elite stormtroopers. None of them with names or records. Clearly, these are the black ops worker operatives of the Empire. And during the next five days, Lord Vader goes from Coruscant to Imperial Imperial Intelligence, basically, to onto uh, the Bothan homeworld to find a slicer, and to the. <laughs> To the the Mothma of Mod Mothma, to the family estate, and wherever he goes, he brings death. He even goes to his old flagship, the Devastator, and accuses his former crew of incompetence, allowing a traitor into their midst. I cannot say it enough. Wherever Lord Vader goes, there is death. And those that are the most closest to him in this five days of Sith, they suffer consequences. They are truly paid for participating in his evil. Now, as we know, Lord Vader survives this story. His five-day rampage through, through the Empire. We know that he will return to the good graces of the Emperor, or as he's even noted in this two-story arc, the dog of the Emperor. He will have his revenge. But really, the story isn't fully about him. It really is about Ensenada and the transformation that she goes through as she goes to places such as the Alderaan Destruction Belt and sees the remains of an entire planet destroyed by the Empire. She learns about fear and intimidation and must ask herself whether or not these are tools that she wishes to be a part of. Will these be the things that help her? Will help her rise through the Imperial ranks? And what does loyalty mean to Lord Vader? Does loyalty give her a free pass? Because as she starts these five days, she's a good soldier. But again... Those near him face the consequences of his actions. In many ways, it is the stormtroopers and Nada who must pay for what Lord Vader rots, wrecks upon the universe. And again, I don't want to go too spoilerific here. I just, again, I find this story to be one of the best representations of Brian Wood's run on Star Wars because it's a character story. Yes, there is fighting. Yes, there is brutality. I'm sad to say at times. But really, this is 
a look into the evil that is Darth Vader. So again, no spoilers, but I will say that Nada is paid and in more ways than she expects for her service in five days. So what do I think of this story now? Well, it's officially a legend. It's no longer considered Star Wars canon. Though, to be honest, it's not really a story that contradicts much of what we would consider canon these days. It literally is five days in the life of Darth Vader. There's nothing in it that contradicts anything that you find in the movies or the other comics. Other than the fact that maybe the battle that took place in issue 12 doesn't officially exist anymore. And the traitor in his identity may never exist anymore. But... It's at least a good legend. It's not one of those stories that right at the moment someone could get, I don't know, out of out of sorts about because of the fact that they rewrote the canon. It's really – it's a story you can just enjoy, enjoy by itself without you needing to stress about whether or not things in it are truly – part of the Star Wars universe or not. And that's really a benefit. It's a story, and you can just enjoy it as a story. Though, again, especially after just reading Tarkin, and I've read the Star Wars Rebels official canon book too, it is kind of interesting to see some things that are similarities between what's considered canon and not canon. One thing is the stormtroopers of Darth Vader in Tarkin, it's made very, very clear that Darth Vader's stormtroopers are elite and that he has a special relationship with his stormtroopers. And that's really something that goes back to the Clone Wars where he was very close to the troopers that worked for him, that worked for him. You know, the best example is Captain Rex. He was loyal to them, he was at times loving to them, he was giving to them and he was protective of them. Now, again, even though they make those sorts of comments about him being having a special relationship, a close, they even say close relationship with his troops. In the Tarkin book, he's always so quite brutal to them, demanding, overbearing. And here in Five Days of Sith, you see the same thing. His troopers are special. They're elite. But he also does have high expectations on them. And if they do not meet his expectations, there is punishment. Another thing that we see here about Darth Vader in this book, these stories, is he's haunted. In this case, he's specifically haunted by Obi-Wan Kenobi. I find this interesting because recently I, I listened to a podcast that was breaking down an episode of, I believe, The Clone Wars. And in that discussion, one of the questions was, how is it that Anakin Skywalker was able to transcend into the next phase of the Force and, and basically become a Force ghost? We know that Qui-Gon Jinn picked up this skill. He, after death taught Yoda the skill, and then Yoda transferred this knowledge to Obi-Wan Kenobi. So those three all make sense when we see Force Ghosts in the movies of them. 
or in the case of Qui-Gon, don't see a Force ghost. But how is it that Anakin so quickly became a Force ghost? And they speculated a few different ways, but but one of the things that came out of that conversation was maybe he was visited by someone who helped train him. In this case, we do see Obi-Wan Kenobi. You wonder, though, if he's a Force ghost or a haunting in the sense of a nightmare. Because at times, Obi-Wan Kenobi taunts Vader, calls him his name, Anakin, instead of calling him Vader, pointing out that he's failed, been beaten by a boy, pointing out the Skywalker name, pointing out that he's now more powerful than before because of what Vader did. And even though Vader is able to lash out at so many other people because of the failure that the Empire has had, he can only flail his arms at Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is already dead. And the sense is, is, though Vader is torturing others, he is in fact tortured himself. Tortured by the memory of the man that he was. Tortured by the ghost of a friend that he killed. Not just a friend, a mentor, a master. Tortured by what could have been. And despite the fact that he is bringing death and destruction, it is he also who is tormented. The tormented one is tormenting others. And sadly, as many of us know from these Star Wars stories, much of the reason for his torment is his own pride. And it is painful to watch. We also see the relationship with the Emperor and Vader. Vader points out that he has been chosen by the Emperor to rule with him and that he is trying to be worthy of that rule. In many ways, we know that this is the the Bane Order of Sith. And there can only be two. So not only is Vader really trying to learn to rule with Sidious, but he must also learn to destroy and overcome him, as it is the way. Now, we do know from, from Tarkin that they make it clear that Sidious, in many ways, is planning to rule with Vader forever. That he plans to take Darth Plagueis' knowledge of immortality and gift it to both him and Vader. Now, what would happen if both were immortal? I do not know. We can assume that, that Sidious, the Emperor, would continue to want to be the master in Vader the Apprentice. But how long could Vader have tolerated that? But at the same time, a story like this one, Five Days of Sith, and a story like Star Wars Tarkin, which is canon, also kind of show, even though that Lord Vader is considered this dark, imposing force, there is still a lack of maturity to him. He can still be put down by the superior master. Because he is still prideful and immature. It is, again, 
a remarkable, at times painful, and a fascinating study of evil. And if Jason Aaron and Marvel can give me two issues that would have me thinking over a year later to the same extent that Brian Wood did, I would say to Marvel, job well done. Well, time travelers, it's Saturday night. I have more time traveling to do. So I bid you farewell. However, if you want to read some of my other materials, including the review of Star Wars Tarkin, feel free to go to www.betweendisney.com. And if you want to listen to Ben and me talk about absolutely everything Marvel Cinematic Universe, except Star Wars. I'm still bucking to say it's MCU. Please visit us at www.welcometolevel7.com with the 7 spelled out, where you'll find links on both to all of our Facebook and Twitter and etc., etc. But again, until we meet again, I ask you to consider what is the price and the reward of evil. So now, more than ever, be safe, kids. Make good choices. 